Well, 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 hello. Uh, <laughs> minor technical issues aside. Hi. This is Did That Make Air? Episode 11. We've passed the 10-episode milestone, and all of a sudden it doesn't feel so special anymore. Joined by Ed Barnes, I'm Brian Wilmer. <laughs> I think it's very special. Well, for you, maybe. Not for me. Absolutely. It's it's always special. Every day is a gift, Brian. Well, yeah, but we don't have a number to, to talk about this time. It's not, you know, 10 or 20 or 35 or any of those milestone numbers. It's just 11. I don't know. I mean, if it's going to help, you could pretend you're Drew Bledsoe and hope you don't like <laughs> get busted in the chest and like out for the rest of the season or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. If you want to contact the program. I don't know. Way. Because I forgot about this last time. I should probably do this now. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you want to contact the program, at Did That Make Air on Twitter. Also, DTMAPodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is DTMAPodcast at gmail.com. You can email us. We'll read it. And, uh, you know, assuming that, of course, our public school education holds up long enough for that to happen. Sorry. Hey, you know, we've been dealing with things like technical issues. Like, I wasn't able to mute my microphone for a while, which is very important. <laughs> Because after I get off my reasoned, well-thought-out takes, then I usually mute my microphone and just scream a wild string of expletives into the sky <laughs> while Brian actually furthers the discussion with more logic. Uh, and then I get it out of my system, and then I come back and give more well-thought-out, reasoned, logical takes myself. By the way, you'll be happy to know I did give last week's show the philosophy tag after the uh, conversation we ended up having. Good. It deserved it, too. Yeah, uh, if you missed last week's program, you missed all the conversation about stupid infomercial items, and I pity you, frankly. You know, if you haven't watched a lot of late-night TV, and by that I don't mean your Letterman's or – actually, if you if you watch Jay Leno on a regular basis, I'd encourage you to find another program. I think – I don't <laughs> think we can be friends, actually. Um, you know. Craig Ferguson or Conan or whatever you want to watch. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about stumbling upon the late night infomercials and those commercials, not even the infomercials, but just the 90 second where they buy out an entire ad break. And we talked a lot about like the ear vac. That's still my favorite. Oh yeah. And I love the idea of that guy with his reel. <laughs> See, you, know? you just know he gets in there to, to audition for that thing, and he's sitting there, and they're like, okay, I want you to take this pen and act like it's, act like it's an ear vac, stick it in your ear, and I want you to make the you know, scream of pain instead of you throw it in there, you know, when you just throw it in there. So when you put that in there, I want you to go ahead and make that scream. Go ahead. And the, guy, the guy's like, ah? No, no, no. Come on. You can't sound like you're asking a question when you say it. Make it authoritative. You have to believe you. Ow! <laughs> there you go. Much better. Use take two. Yeah. No, that and and that also that the guy has an agent. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm almost sure of this too. And there's probably a commercial actor agent magnet magnate, I should say. You know, there's like the Ari of freaking you know commercial actor agents. And no, I don't watch Entourage either. I'm not sure why that was the name that came out. <sighs> <laughs> See, you know, though, that the guy who's in that commercial was working in, like, IT or something. He was some, you know, like, guy who worked in a server room somewhere and never saw the light outside, never saw any people or anything like that. He's just like, you know what? Screw this miserable job. I'm going to go star on TV. I'm going to be on TV, and they're all going to feel bad about what they did to me. 
<laughs> yeah, guess what, guys? I'm making WaxVac ads. Suck it. <laughs> you think he has an IMDb page? <laughs> God, I hope so. He, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure he has a, it. Yeah, I'm sure he has a Kickstarter. Well, if, if we can find any of that, we'll have to make sure and bring it to people on a future episode. <laughs> Indiegogo page, something like that. <laughs> he, he, no, he's he's not cool enough to have a Tumblr. He's not hipster enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, on this week's program, uh, aside from making fun of uh, infomercial actors, we have a our first listener-suggested big question, and I'm fired up for that. We'll get to that in just a second. We also have our own uh, big question that we came up with earlier today, and we're going to make fun of stupid people because that's really what we do best. If we can't make fun of people like us, we might as well not even open the mics. Well, I, I think after we try and make sense of the world, we're usually uh, deflated enough at the shortcomings of our answers that we feel like we need to take it out on someone and um, enter Florida. That's basically how it works. By the way, something we were talking about off air that really needs to make air. Uh, we were talking about hashtag translated songs yesterday and mm. uh, about some of the things that, that we can come up with to kind of summarize songs in the length of a tweet or just a couple of sentences or something like that. And I started thinking about this because I was talking about the Christmas song, Baby, It's Cold Outside, yesterday. And I'm sorry if I offend anybody who listens to this program, but that is the absolute rapiest Christmas song I've ever heard. Wait a second. I want you to state that premise again after I get this out there. Are we really worried about offending people? Isn't it called Did That Make Air? Isn't Um, that kind of... Not that we're out to offend people per se, but at the same time, you see what I'm getting at. We're, we're, we're not supposed to be sorry for fair our enough. opinions on this show. Yeah, fair enough. It's a safe place. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger sings the holiday classics. <laughs> <laughs> so what? No, please state that again because I kind of trampled you there at a very key point, which was my bad. That's fine. We, we were talking about uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside, and, and I mentioned that it is probably the rapiest Christmas song that has ever been recorded. It, Frankly, every time I listen to it, I, I end up picking up on something that I didn't pick up on last time, and I'm even more horrified than I was the last time I heard the song. And I was talking earlier today about hearing Dean Martin's version of it, and I can only, as I told you, I can only imagine how completely just obliterated hammered he was when he was recording that song. Well, I just keep going back to the fact that the song has a line that says, what's in this drink? <laughs> if you needed any more ammunition to fight this fight, I don't. Well, there's there's I that. I just don't think it's necessary. You're, you, you know, that would be that you'd be you'd be looking for like the nuke when all you really need is like a slap on the cheek. Well, there's that, and there's the answer is no, which is also a line in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, remember we learn we learned from Nancy Reagan and so many other people. No means no, unless you learned it from your bro Chaz. <laughs> that no means yes. Um, and Chaz was wrong, by the way. But I hope he enjoys his cargo shorts he may still be wearing. Uh, yeah, before we uh, proceed to, let me just say, uh, for the record, we are not joking about rape itself. We are joking about the completely horribly inappropriate nature of a Christmas standard. Which is all over the place, too. And you know what's great is uh, yeah, I, I really can't wait for the ensuing guilty pleasure of watching people, um, you know, now sing along to this song, enjoy this song, um, especially people that will have absolutely no clue why I'm giggling while they just kind of like nod their head and smile. You know? <laughs> Actually, so I'm looking forward to that. The most disgusting thing I can honestly say I've seen, I, I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which uh, 
they refer to it as the Redneck Riviera, which I refer to the entire state as the Redneck Riviera. But down there, they have a tourism channel in Myrtle Beach where they show, you know, all these different ads for local places and all that stuff. They they have them in all kinds of travel destinations. But they have one where they're showing this local high school choir singing, like, these Christmas songs and stuff. And there's, there's like, this 15-year-old girl singing this song with a 16-year-old kid. And I'm just like, these two have no idea what's going on in this song. You know, not that I'm trying to be all old and stuffy or whatever, but I just, I kind of found it uh, uncomfortably funny. I'm just kind of waiting for someone to maybe remake it with the same words and just say that, like, it's fraternity hazing instead of cold outside <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's just ripe for another version now. I, I really... <laughs> Can't you just see something like that happening? No? <laughs> well, <laughs> with some of the no, stuff on the radio these days, though, I mean, I, I think about that, you know, with some of the stuff that's actually on the radio that was not recorded as a Christmas song and didn't originate in 1944, you know. Well, um, I'm just really hoping that this concept doesn't get to Miley Cyrus. Just because I'm convinced that whatever she would do to try and up the ante and be shocking with that song um, would be terrible. Because so far, everything she's tried to do to up the ante and be shocking has been terrible. By the way, uh, did you see, and this is drifting dangerously into sports territory, so I won't talk too much Mm. about it. But did you see the other night, Belmont's playing at North Carolina, and there's a Belmont fan in the stands at the Dean Dome singing Wrecking Ball while James Michael McAdoo's trying to take a free throw? I heard about that, yes. Um, and that's great. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, if that's going to distract you in a basketball environment, you're just going to go ahead and have to work on your focus. It's very good. Um, I mean, that's an inventive uh, play by the fan trying to distract. But at the same time, come on. I mean, are you really – you're not supposed to hear anything when you're at the line. Well, yeah, but then again, I guess I should be thankful it's not Seven Nation Army. Well, you know, I, I think at some point during any game, I think it's a become law that you have to hear it. Unfortunately, we need to repeal that law immediately. You know, how did you feel? And then again, sorry, this is a sports-related topic that we're going to continue a little. But I saw that, um, I think it was for the NCAA football game this year that was released that they licensed Seven Nation Army and uh, Sandstorm. Because they said they're just everywhere, and you would—I think you bought the game this year. I did not. Uh, I did, yes. And um, case, I don't recall hearing them in the game. But then again, maybe I just blacked out from anger or something. That's possible too. Well, knowing you, you probably tried to sync up like a radio call with your video game, um, <laughs> because you know I can't tell you how many times I'd be like, "Man, I can't believe they just said that on ESPN." Just be like, "I'm not listening to this. I'm listening to the Panthers radio." Yep. Oh, okay. No apologies. Yeah. Hey, what'd you think of what Jerry Austin had to say about, well, we should get into all this in <laughs> 90 minutes. We're... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, uh... Enough about that. If you would like to hear our take on Jerry Austin and uh, Monday Night Football and all that, then, uh, you know, you can listen to the other show, Sports Matters, hence sports in the title. Yeah, stay around for that. <laughs> we know you will. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mentioned we had a listener-suggested big question for the first time ever, and uh, thanks to Pete longtime friend of the program, he has come up with a really, really solid question, I think. And 
I wanted to share that with everyone and share where he got the question from. Now, the big question he says is, why do people care about celebrity opinions? And that's that's a question I think we've asked each other privately at times, but we've never really brought it to the air. But here's where it comes from. And this is this is a perfect example, I think. This is from a billboard story. It says, Kanye West does not have good things to say about President Obama. Okay. Gosh. After the first sentence, I've already pretty much lost interest. But let's con- let's continue. Uh, okay. dur- during an interview with Atlanta radio station Hot 107.9 on Monday morning, the rapper went off on a clearly strained relationship with a POTUS, saying he felt used by Obama, who, quote, used to come and visit me and my mama and tell me that he's about to run for president, unquote. The uh, animosity stems from when Obama called West a jackass in 2009, shortly after the famous MTV Video Music Awards uh, incident when West interrupted Taylor Swift in the middle of her acceptance speech. And, of course, we know that he told everybody that Beyonce should have gotten the award. As West told radio hosts Shamara and Laya St. Clair, quote, I just think that we're pop icons, and the president likes to use that type of thing just to be down and stuff. People was fine with me being everyone's punching bag for about five years. Man, this is the person we love to hate, so if you want to distract people from everything that's going on, just say you hate Kanye, and there's going to be 30 other people who say they hate Kanye. That was kind of my position in culture, so he also used that too. Oh, he's a jackass because that's how the world felt, unquote. Uh, the hip-hop artist said he continued, quote, I don't care if somebody's the president or not. I care about thoughts and how you helping people and what you bring to the world, unquote. West vowed to no longer mention the president, saying, quote, I'm past that. That's out of my thoughts. That's lowering my priority of thinking at this point. So many things I could say about that. Well, first of all, you acted like a jackass. Someone else won an award that you thought should have gone to someone else, and because an arbitrary decision didn't mesh with your arbitrary decision-making of an arbitrary category in a fake award show, (laughs) you decided that you wanted to go up there and interrupt Taylor Swift's acceptance speech. There really isn't a defensible reason for it, Um, Unless you're going to try and play the music snob card and say that that was just so clearly musically superior to what Taylor Swift was doing. And come on, it's (laughs) for that award show. I just don't think that that's going to fly. So you you were a jackass. Right. I I like some of your music, especially the earlier albums. Um, But that doesn't give you any more right to go interrupt someone at an award show or anything like that. Um. And it just becomes interesting how a skill manages to lead to people listening to opinions that a person has. And this can be a skill that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. Exactly. You know, Kanye West has made some very good music. Some would say great music. Some would say fantastic music, whatever your opinion is. He has made a lot of music. A lot of people, including myself, enjoy it in different ways. Does that mean that I really need to know what his opinion is on a social issue or anything like that? No. Do I really need to know what his spat with the president is? No. But (laughs) it's the voyeuristic nature of our culture to kind of ask these questions because in a lot of cases, the answer that comes out of people's mouths is as entertaining as what they've provided provided us with in the first place as entertainers. Yeah, but the whole thing here comes back to, and this this is really the case with just about all celebrities who get involved in this sort of thing. It's all about narcissism. It's about keeping yourself in the public eye. It's about you know this this sense of delusion that people are going to form their 
uh, you know, the course of their day, their buying habits, their voting record, whatever, based upon what you singularly have to say. And that, to me, is just... I don't want to say indefensible, because that sounds as though I'm some, you know, guy throwing rocks at kids on his lawn or something. But when you think that your opinion and, you know, your take on things shapes the world that much, a reality check is certainly in order. I would say so. I mean, there were just a lot of things that were interesting. Um, First of all, Obama used to come and visit you and your mom all the time, huh? Apparently. Okay. So, huh. All right. So you two were just boys. You guys just, you know, do you just call up on occasion? What's up? It's Barry. <laughs> um, okay. So, I mean, that that was a weird comment. Uh, first, and then the second point I wanted to make is, is, is it possible to have a hip-hop station that doesn't have hot as the name of the, t- the station? Um, well, there's there's hot, there's power, there's beat, and there's jams. And okay. I say this That's as somebody true. who used to work at a station that had jams in the name, so I, I know at least that much. With a Z? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good, good. Well, there's no other way to go. <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing that's interesting is beyond these comments is when when Kanye West talks about darn near anything – he not only feels he deserves to be heard, but listened to with the utmost of respect. Sure. And that's a pretty interesting way to to look at it. I mean, I'm all for – we've talked many, many times about the necessity for open debate in this country. Right. However um, – you know that doesn't necessarily mean that just because someone walks up to me on the street and wants to start talking about abortion that I'm going to engage them and give them my full respect and attention. If you just randomly walk up to me on the street and be like, "Look, I'd like to talk to you about abortion," be like, "You need to get away from me now." Okay. <laughs> you know, you start reaching into your pocket, thinking, "Am I going to have to like use my keys as a weapon somehow?" Or <laughs> yeah, you you have to take them and put them between your first and second finger and hold them like I, they'd be be a knife or something. Yeah, I don't know, but you see what I'm getting at. It's, yeah, I do. It's it's just such a um, a weird frame of mind where you whenever you talk you expect not only to be heard but heard you know with the utmost respect and I I don't know I picture him being the kind of guy that would start talking to a room full of people and if one person had to get up to go to the bathroom he would then like stalk that person on the way to the bathroom screaming about I can't believe you're walking out on me <laughs> did I tell you you could leave this room no <laughs> I didn't now. We're going to listen to my album again and see if you guys understand all of the subtext in it. By the way, uh, completely apropos of nothing, while we're talking about Kanye, um, I've, I've shared this with you. And I think for those who listen to this program who haven't seen it, one of the last things Lou Reed did before he passed, and, and I think anybody who's honest will know and acknowledge the the impact that Lou Reed had on, on modern music. I mean, that's that's just undeniable. But... One of the last things he did was to write a review of Kanye's Yeezus record, which I was floored by what he said about it. I mean, he was he was very complimentary about it, and he looked at it, unlike so many of these idiots who are music reviewers these days, he actually looked at it for its artistic merit and for what it had to offer as a recording, not for anything about Kanye, not for anything about you know the game or anything like that. It was all about just what that record had to say, and it was one of the more cogent things I've read music-wise in the last 10 years. And music's such a weird thing anyway because 
like most entertainment, we have things that we might agree generally that these are, you know, these are the transcendent pieces of music. These are the things that we can all kind of look at and point to and go like, look, these guys are fantastic. And it might be something is, you know, a classic is Beatles, Stones, Elvis, those types of things are even, um, you know, it could be more modern, but I think you see what I'm getting at. I mean, it's such an arbitrary thing. I mean, people can like or dislike whatever they want and just trying to explain why music works is a darn near impossible thing. Yet in that article, Lou Reed's doing a pretty good job of explaining exactly why Kanye West's album really works. And I think really, if you if you look at music these days, that's that's what's sorely missing. We're we're not, uh, and again, we don't want to get into another discussion about music. We do that far too much on this program. But when we analyze music and we analyze where it's it's coming from these days. We don't look at the mechanism of music as much as we used to back in the 70s and the 80s, back in the you know the, the days when Rolling Stone and uh, Details and all those t- types of things were writing, and Music Matters were writing, uh, you know, actual substantive stuff about records. Now it's just you know we're we're analyzing the the BPM type stuff and all the other nonsense that's on the radio. But wait a minute, I thought Details was a great place to find out what quarter zip mock sweater you should get for the winter it is now it wasn't in 1993 oh, okay. but it is now mm. that well at least i understand <laughs> but you know. the uh the other thing too back to the uh back to the topic i'm reminded of something that's uh a little bit kind of anecdotal but i'll bring it forth anyway somebody asked apparently ray charles one time why he played at the republican national convention where you know people thought that he was selling out Democrats or whatever, and asked why he played at the Republican National Convention. And legend has it that he said, well, Republican money spends just as good as Democrat money. You know, I was going to just say as a joke that his answer was the check cleared. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's pretty much where he went with it. And see, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, there's so much stuff. Every election you see where some, you know, brain-dead Republican or some brain-dead Democrat comes out with some artist's song and all of a sudden, that artist gets all twisted about it. Either, you know, how dare you use my song, or, oh my god, I can't believe this politician I love so much is using my music. Oh, You know, it's, it's one of those things. And what I don't understand is, why is it that musicians will sell themselves out in every single fashion imaginable, but when it comes to putting their music in a, in a political campaign, oh, hell no, we can't have that. We have to tell people how to vote. We can't sell out our principles, but... Yet, wait a minute, uh, where's that $500,000 for my Ford trucks at? Right. You know, the Lexus commercial that we did last week was fine, but, you know, these elections are showing what we stand for as people. <laughs> Very true. So, you know, sorry, Republican candidate. You're just not going to be able to use our song where we have a video where we're walking along in our skinny jeans and our, you know, ironic uh, T-shirt and glasses or something. <laughs> it, I don't know. But still, I mean, this general idea of that we're listening to celebrities uh, is a funny one. And look, I'm not – I don't think either of us are here trying to rip on celebrities that are trying to use this this fame that they have for a good cause. Absolutely. You know, and there there are celebrities out there that are, you know, I mean, whether you want to take their, their action or what they say about it, but I mean, you know, Angelina Jolie and Brad Kidd adopting kids does send an interesting message to the rest of the world. Like, look, you know, we're doing this. 
we could have kids, but we're going to choose to adopt because there are kids out there. Okay. You know, like that's one message. But there are plenty of other celebrities that are doing good things and supporting great causes. Um, and you see it all the time, especially in sports, like even Barry Zito, who has not had a whole bunch of success on the baseball field for the last few years, but still his strikeouts for troops program is a great thing. By the way, uh, Brad Kitt, sniper. Did I say? You did. Is that how? Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Matter. It's the son. It's the son of the original Knight Rider car that's now married to Angelina Jolie and is adopting kids. Okay, new one from me. Um, yeah, Brad Kit Hoover from the uh, first Road Rules, um, and, and, and Cold Pizza know. too. Don't forget that. Oh, Cold Pizza, fantastic program. And Thea Andrews. So there are plenty of people that are using it for good, but still. Uh, the idea that I did watch a video today where Charles Barkley was stopped and asked about Michael Jordan playing beer pong at a hotel so he could tell us that black people don't play beer pong. Um, I, I, I could have gotten those 30 seconds and used them on something better. Yeah. That's a celebrity opinion that none of us really needed to know. It was amusing, uh, but at the same time, the fact that we have entire organizations built on – trying to find out celebrity news. I mean, watching E! News. <laughs> That's an oxymoron, isn't it? Oh, gosh. Have you tried to watch E! News? I, the last time I watched it was when Jules Asner was a regular uh, talent there, so that should tell you. Okay. Uh, now it's Juliana Rancic and, you know, the weight that she doesn't carry. Um, <laughs> so, you know... Hey, so this person wore this on the red carpet, and this person might be dating this person, and you know these people are now engaged, and all this stuff. And it's like, look, this is this is what your station calls news, and obviously it gets ratings because that's a pretty well-known cable network. The other thing too that that has kind of contributed to some of this is you notice anytime TMZ catches a celebrity in the airport, they're standing there at the baggage claim or something like that. It's like, Oh, Hey, look, it's Melissa Joan Hart. Let's ask Melissa Joan Hart. What she thinks about the latest political scandal. Right. Wait, what? (laughs) Why do you even have your cameras there to begin with? And you know, on top of that, why are you, why do you care what Candace Cameron has to say about the Republican, you know, presidential candidates? What does it, what does it matter? Well, I mean, when you're going to get the wife of a Russian hockey player's opinion <laughs> about things, I think it's pretty important um, because then she's she's giving a perspective from the other side of uh, you know the Cold War that's obviously still going on. I, I don't, you know, we, we, but to get back to the original question of why do we care about celebrity opinion so much, I think it's just all an extension of hero worship to a point. Fair enough. I, I would perfectly agree with that. And see, the thing is, too, when you have people like Oprah and Jay-Z and whomever else telling people, you know, the people for whom they should vote. Now, you and I know that is completely shallow and, uh, you know, vapid. And, and it's it's a mindset where if that's the way you're going to decide your vote, that's a problem. But then again, there are people who are like, oh, yeah. He makes a lot of sense. I buy his record, so I'm going to vote the way he tells me to vote. Or I'm going to drive the car he sells. Or I'm going to drink the champagne he sells. Or whatever. I mean, seriously. The the concept of individual thought is gone in this country. We, we either do what our friends do or tell us. We do what celebrities do or tell us. Or we do what our parents do or tell us. 
pretty much. That's that's the way most of society has become these days, unfortunately. Yeah, Dad, I'm going to marry her. I don't care what you say. No, I, it just seems like the, you know, someone needs to rebel against their parents, and that stereotype seemed like the best way to do it. Um, <laughs> and it didn't really work. Sorry. So, so we've got this hero worship of, uh, you know, whoever you want to take Jay-Z or Kanye West or whatever, they buy, you buy their albums, you listen to their message. Some of their songs resonate with you on a personal level, even if their story is not what you went through, AKA didn't grow up in the, in, in, you know, the slums of New York city dealing crack. You know, I, I would say that would be most of us. Right. So, uh, some of his songs may resonate with you on whatever personal level and a way, whatever way it can apply to your life. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that his life view outside of his music necessarily resonates with you on any sort of level at all. You don't really know. I mean, interviews are a highly controlled environment in most cases. You don't really get a sense of the person because a lot of times if you're watching a television interview, how often do these things air unedited? <laughs> Virtually never. Exactly. So these people's PR teams have a chance to review the footage and say, you know what, we're going to need to go ahead and cut that question where you ask about has drugs affected your family? And he talks about, well, you know, drug dealing actually provided for me for a while or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's actually happened. But there, it, this is not a what you see is what you get kind of deal. This is a what we want to show you is what you are getting. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss the point on when it comes to media in general. And so you have you have the hero worship side of it. You have the controlled messaging. And then on outside of that, it's not just about being a good musician anymore if you're a musician. It's about being a brand. And that's not something that just applies to celebrities. It's something that is put out there and – you know, if you read things like social media strategy books, it says, look, you don't even if you don't have anything to sell, you should be blogging. You should be tweeting. You should be all over Facebook. You should be doing all these different social media outlets because it's growing your personal brand. Doesn't, and doesn't that make you feel dirty just saying that? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Now, I can understand why this is put out there in that way, but it's just going to create. I mean, how many people are really going to be able to – thinking of yourself as a brand this is, how many people are really going to feel comfortable breaking the mold? Isn't it going to be a lot easier to just fall back into what's safe? Yeah, because see, here's the thing. People in a lot of those cases, they think that if they say anything untoward, if they do anything that would go against what they perceive as the popular opinion, it's not a matter of, well, people are going to disagree with me. It's people are going to stop buying my products. And that's the bigger fear these days. It used to be that we were just scared of, you know, having people that we respected disagree with our opinion. What, you know, how irrational of a fear that is, is, is completely open for discussion. But now we're scared that if we say something that is outside of societal norms, we stop collecting financially from it. And that's a much bigger fear. And that goes into the other question that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But that's a much bigger fear now than it ever was. And, and really, that's what drives a lot of us. I mean, hell, look at Oprah these days. And not to pick on her, but she's you know a fairly large name in the entertainment business. She's got a talk show. She's got a network. She's got a magazine. She's got a book club. Basically, anything that you could do in your life, Oprah is there to tell you how to do it, when to do it, and with whom to do it. That's true. 
That's true. I mean, but, uh, you know, we've actually uh, for more on the idea of losing money based on uh, stated public opinion. Let's go to the Dixie Chicks. Gals. True. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out great for them. Yeah. L- let me just say about that, because I've, I've never really had a chance to talk about it on, on this program. Obviously, we, we were uh, far more into just sports at the time that all happened. But let me just say this and I'll say this about them. I'll say it about anybody else who might say something. Look. If you don't agree with them and you don't want to buy their music, that's perfectly fine. I mean, I, I understand that. You're not obligated to agree with them. You're not obligated to think in lockstep with them. But all the stuff about people were, you know, giving them death threats and all this other kind of stuff. Look, the First Amendment doesn't just apply when it's comfortable for you. The First Amendment applies all the time, period. So it's not just to cover speech that makes you feel all happy and, and shiny and everything. It's to protect everything. Just just as, let's just say, on the other you know, side of the spectrum, let's just say, and this this is highly unlikely, but let's just say, you know, that uh, if, uh, just pick some bandits from Chicago. I mean, just say there's a bandits from Chicago and they're they're touring in London and they're, they're like, just so you know, we're ashamed that we're from Chicago, the same city that the president of the United States is from. Well, if people choose to boycott their records, that's their, that's their right to do that. If they choose to boycott, you know, their shows, perfectly fine, but by the same token... There should be no death threats. There should be no attempts to silence them or anything like that. It's their opinion. And, you know, let the free market decide who's right and wrong and all that all that uh, business. Yeah, what do you think it was like on Fox News the next day, considering they would just get a bunch more mileage out of the president was born in Kenya? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or uh, or on, uh, on MSNBC, they're all a bunch of damn racists. <laughs> and then showing clips from each other's networks just yeah. to show how stupid they are. But that's... Uh, so we have a guy who's a really good guitar player right and that has now qualified him to tell me how to feel about gun control here's ted nugent ted hold on these are two completely unrelated things they don't have anything to do with each other yeah it's like it's like we we have a uh, a guy who's a legendary singer and and a legendary artist and he's here to tell us about labor unions hi bruce springsteen yeah what so yeah i I can appreciate the idea that people want to take up for the causes that they believe in, sure. as I just said. Sure. And that's that's totally understandable. I can understand the fact that people who have some fame have much easier access to microphones and being picked up on news outlets because of their name. And they feel that they can use that in order to make change – in order to foster change – with whatever issue they would like. I get all that. At the same time, the, the thing you mentioned earlier, the example of let's pick random celebrity who just landed at LAX and say, hey, man, what do you think about the president's birth certificate controversy? Or whatever is seemingly in the news at the time is a complete waste of time. So is watching most of the news coverage on it, in my opinion. <laughs> Very true. And these are the people that are supposed to be the news professionals – Put some quotes around that in your head as you hear it, please. Can you imagine if – okay, just obviously neither you nor I are uh, you know, world-famous celebrities by any stretch. But can you imagine you're standing there in, uh, you know, in, in LAX and you just got off a red eye and some dude from you know, one of the stations out there comes to you and says, So, um, random traveler, what do you think about the TSA's new uh, you know, guidelines and travel, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, I just got off a red eye. Why the hell are you bothering me? I have nothing to say to you people. I just woke up. I just want to drive home. I'm sick of being on a plane. Thank you. There's your answer. 
that's where I usually go with uh, like, sorry, I gave it the office. <laughs> uh, just, you know, anything other than what they're looking for. <laughs> Why, yes, cottage cheese is tasty. Yep. <laughs> Actually, it's not, but never mind. I have a partial tear in my lateral meniscus. Thank you for asking, and have a great night. Um, <laughs> just anything would be better than an actual opinion of what they're looking for. So, I don't know. I mean, as far as what Pete's asking, though, I, I still come back to the general hero worship. And these people have touched on uh, touched our lives in some way through song, acting, uh, writing, whatever medium it might be that they're getting their messages out and that's the other thing too is is you can look at a lot of musicians these days and they're not even writing their own songs no nope. so you know if someone like britney spears tells you how to feel about anything it'd be like wait a minute so your pr writers are telling you how to feel about this considering the you have songwriters telling you what to sing so is this your message whose message is this that you're pushing see that's that's why I revert back to people like Bob Marley because you know Bob Marley was his own man. He wrote his own stuff. He was a very spiritual individual, and what he said usually had a lot of impact. Now, I can't imagine how he'd hold up. Okay, let's just say the majority of his success was between ages 27 and 33, along, along that line. Can you imagine now if Bob Marley were on the radio today? what he would have turned into or what they would have turned him into. I just immediately pictured some sort of station promo where it's like, Hey man, Bob Marley for live one Oh five. You know, something like that. It would be the worst, worst thing, you know, <laughs> like, you know, that, or, um, you know, I know that, um, you know, various standups have brought up what, you know, what if, Someone like Elvis didn't die when he did. What if <laughs> Jimi Hendrix yeah. was still alive? All of those things, and who knows if they had managed to – if they ended up just completely sailing out along their journey. So maybe it's for the best that they died when they did. And that's a rather morbid thought, but it, the, the point, the overall point is, is a valid one. It makes perfect sense to me. See, I keep going back to the uh, poet laureate of the nation, Kid Rock. For some reason, I I, okay. I don't I don't know why, but this sticks in my head every damn time we talk about this stuff. If it looks good, you'll see it. If it sounds good, you'll hear it. If it's marketed right, you'll buy it. But if it's real, you'll feel it. That's surprisingly cogent. Yeah, amazingly, and you know <sighs> the the Bob Marley thing. I mean, I I'll I gave you a quote earlier today, and I'll I'll say it for everybody else. And it's one of the most deep things I've ever heard a musician say. If she's amazing, she won't be easy. If she's easy, she won't be amazing. If she's worth it, you won't give up. If you give up, you're not worthy. Truth is, everybody's going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. And that from from Bob Marley. And, and another another person where, again, I don't know how I'd feel if he were telling me how to vote or anything like that. But just seeing what he had to offer the world and seeing what people have turned into these days and how you know it's it's all about narcissism. It's all about advancing your own brand and everything like that. Bob Marley was not that guy. And maybe, maybe that stripped-down nature, that, that kind of everyman nature, was why everybody was so drawn to him. And these days, you know, people couldn't give a rat's ass about Kanye except for what he puts on a, on a record. Now, I mean, the other thing, too, is is if you look at the, the, the so-called gossip pages and, and celebrity blogs and stuff like that, a lot of the, the stuff that's being put out there isn't about 
actual celebrity in a lot of cases. It's about people who want to be celebrities yeah. and are doing ridiculous things trying to get people's attention. Like, hey, I'm a model who wants to get more notoriety, so I'm going <laughs> to go to a well-known beach where I know that paparazzi will be and I will wear a really small swimsuit. Or, you know, I'm a reality show person, so when I saw so-and-so, I'm going to do something outrageous because I know that's going to be mentioned <laughs> and maybe some more people will watch my show and then I can get a bigger, you know, amount per episode next season or whatever it might be. So people have all kinds of reasons in order to say ridiculous things, do ridiculous things in order to drum up notoriety. Now, I, I feel like it's a we've kind of gotten towards this, but we haven't specifically said it. Not all celebrities are always saying stupid things. Now, Kanye West is very arrogant, and I think we've established that, and I think that if you really asked him he, deep down, are you arrogant? Yes, I am. I am very, you know, he, <laughs> I think he knows it. Yeah, he, he gets it. And, you know, that's that's the thing, too. Playing I, the game. Yeah, I, I think there's there's uh, unknowing narcissism and there's calculated narcissism. And he's much more in the uh, in the latter. Well, I, don't, I mean, if that story that Aziz Ansari tells is true, where he, he was at his house and walked into a room where he was just sitting there listening to his own album. Uh, <laughs> ah, the, I don't know the Aziz Ansari bit. Yeah, <laughs> what, what do you mean? There's there's a story on Aziz Ansari's uh, stand up where he's talking about how he was hanging out with Kanye and uh, Kanye was just listening to his own record, and okay, uh, was... he was he, he was at a <laughs> I party. You were clowning me for bringing it up. No, 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 no. He was he was at a party and he was talking about how Kanye was listening to his own record and and eventually Kanye came to him and told him to do stand up in front of all of his friends and stuff and, and he was talking about the. Uh, the anxiety he felt about that, it's its something you need to check out. It's its pretty funny because it looks like, you know, uh, Aziz Ansari is just kind of, uh, uh, you know, coattailing Kanye, but it's actually pretty funny if you, if you listen to the whole bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the part where he, he talks about Kanye listening to his own album and just bobbing his head. He's like, yeah. are you listening to your own album? Man, these beats are dope. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, in that case, I guess so. Um, so that, I don't know, that may be a... Maybe that changes which level of uh, narcissism he's displaying or which type. Who knows? But the the thing that, that you can do, though, is you can – I mean I, I feel like it's kind of easy to tell for yourself. You can look at some of these celebrities that are actually giving some thought into what they're saying and have an actual life philosophy and you know, and are really just trying to live their lives and they happen to do something that's you know, a little more you – know, that, that gains more notoriety in their country. And then there are other people who want to use that platform in order to get their message across in any number of ways or make sure that you know their name that much more. And, you know, the, the people who are the fame whores, so to speak, those are the ones that somehow, you know, they've, they've gotten very good at getting all this coverage, and they generally don't have much of anything to say. Well, speaking of the fame whores, uh, you and I are both fans of I Don't Like You In That Way. And if you look at the front page of I Don't Like You In That Way right now, the names on that page include Kendall Jenner, fame whore, I think that's... Pretty fair to say. Kelly Clarkson, same thing. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who nobody knew until she was in the Hunger Games movies. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Uh, Pia Glenn, whoever that is. Kim Kardashian, again. Uh, Ashley Green. Ashley Skye, whoever that is. Jennifer Lawrence, again. Brittany Murphy. And that's the end of the front page. Okay. So uh, those of you who are not regular gossip page readers, e-news watchers, whatever else, tell me who those people are, aside from maybe Kelly Clarkson and Kim Kardashian. You probably know those people. But tell me who the rest of them are. Anybody? I I I'll wait. 
I'll hang up and listen. Really? You don't think people know who Jennifer Lawrence is? Uh, like I say, unless they watch the Hunger Games movies, probably not. Well, I haven't seen Hunger Games. Well, yeah, but you also read gossip pages. Thanks for getting that out there. I, can, I was trying to just get right by that. Dude, I read some of them too. Personal just responsibility. Because no, it's I, a guilty pleasure. It's it's like in uh, Finding Forrester where he starts reading the National Enquirer and the guy asks him, like, what are you doing reading that? I thought you'd be reading the Times or something classy. He said, well, you know what? I'll read the Times during the day like a normal meal and then I'll read this at the end of the day like dessert. <laughs> so, See, hey, the gossip pages are me snacking on sweets. Here is why I read them. Because of stuff like this, there's there's a story about Kelly Clarkson uh, tweeting to her fans that she's now officially pregnant. And the tweet says, I'm pregnant, uh, three exclamation marks. Brandon and I are so excited, best early Christmas present ever. And the response from the uh, I don't like you people is, Brandon is excited. Look at this dude's face. This is a guy who just listens for his name or the dog clicker to know what he's supposed to do next. Who's a good boy? Brandon. Brandon's a good boy. <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, that's why I read that stuff. For, forget the, the celebrities. I read it to see people take down celebrities. Snark. Yes. Okay. Well, that's, and that's fair enough, too. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, if, if, if these people are willing to put themselves out there like that, there's going to be. There's going to be plenty of people looking to take them down because, as we've talked about on this show before, uh, our our country is is now completely full of haters, and everyone's just hating on what they don't have and what everyone else does have. <laughs> See, the uh, the Kelly Clarkson thing actually came from this. Uh, this <laughs> this was a story that I don't like. You had uh, a little while back on Halloween, actually, and it's talking about Kelly Clarkson going on a morning radio show, and. Uh, it says Kelly Clarkson did an interview with Valentine in the morning yesterday, which detectives will later say was the motive that drove her husband of 11 days to that murder suicide. The, uh, the link, the bit says Kelly Clarkson checked in with Valentine this morning and said her life is great, but she has babies on the brain. Clarkson, who's now Mrs. Blackstock was married October 20th and is ready to have kids with her new hubby. She already has names picked out quote. I want babies. Clarkson told Valentine, everybody keeps saying, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, I want to be pregnant. Unquote. She wants two children in addition to her two stepchildren, and she wants to be pregnant for Christmas. And uh, I don't like your response and says, no pressure, just get her pregnant by Jesus' birthday so she can break into people's houses and steal their Christmas food and sleep in their beds and sit in their chairs. I don't know what kind of self-loathing it would take to get Kelly Clarkson pregnant, but he obviously ignored the biggest red flag. This chick never wears shoes or a pedometer. She really just wanted to be in a position where she wouldn't feel bad for saying she was eating for two. Oh, damn. That's just... <laughs> That's just hating. No, you didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, I realize that the, the celebrities are taking uh, plenty of abuse in their world. You know, if they, if I mean, if you are a celebrity of any kind of stature and you bother doing a Google search on yourself, the results will not be pretty. No, not so much. No, most people are going to take the time, and you see this, be it. You know, with poor service at a restaurant, people are going to take the time to write the restaurant, usually not to say, hey, you know what? I, I really enjoyed your restaurant. I, I thought that the food was good. I thought the service was good. I had a nice time. People were going to write the restaurant if it was the service was terrible. We were sitting down for a half hour before someone even came into, you know, asked if we wanted something to drink. And then you guys messed up my order and then you messed it up again. And this was just unacceptable. And, you know, I don't think I'll ever come back. And it's usually with the idea of going, okay, do you want to give me something for free in order to get me back on your good side? Or... <laughs> I did that recently. I was going to say, let's uh, let's ask that breakfast place that you had a bad experience yes. with. Oh, God. 
yeah, look, they, my girlfriend cannot have gluten or dairy, and there's a bakery nearby whose name I won't say because I don't want them to have a mini pub, and they do gluten-free stuff, and we ordered some breakfast from there because it would all be stuff that Sami could eat. And they told me on the phone, you know, we order it, and they're like, okay, no problem. It'll be ready in 15 minutes. I showed up in 20 minutes, and it ended up taking 45 before it was ready. So I was very upset about that because I was sitting around the restaurant for almost 25 minutes doing nothing, waiting for food that was already supposed to be ready when I arrived. And I even said after – I even said to him, I'm like, look, if you guys had told me it would be 45 minutes, that would have been fine. Then I could have been at home doing whatever the heck I was going to be doing and showed up when the food was actually ready, which is the whole point of calling it in. Right. And they just said, look, would you like a free muffin? And I'm like, no, I don't want a free muffin. I would like to talk to a manager about this because I'm upset. And then I went back and wrote a long email and submitted it to their website, and I got no response from them, and I have not been back since. And I will not go back to their their establishment for any reason. Yeah, see, uh, you needed to use the Milton voice and just be like, I'm just going to have to set the place on fire. Well, you know, uh, I guess when you submit that to a company's website, that can lead to things like, you know, investigations or <laughs> charges, maybe a, charges <laughs> which I'm trying to avoid. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, by the way, we, we were going to uh, have another big question on the program, but frankly, uh, we've gone far too non-serious on this program. I don't I don't really want to steer it back into the serious realm, if that's OK with you. I'm, I'm kind of always in favor of not being serious, <laughs> but Excellent. I don't know. I mean, did, did we kind of did we kind of you know shape our answer on the celebrity? Why do we listen to celebrities? It's a combination of uh, hero worship that we were emotionally connected with something that they've presented to our our lives, which has made us open to suggestions that other suggestions they may try to place into our lives. That 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 really is kind of the crux of it. Yeah, and it's it's uh you know more comfortable to be involved with. Uh, with groupthink, the old the old uh, baseball phrase, no brain, no headache. Well, and, and you know, we didn't even mention, but the, just the certain cool factor that some of these people have. Yep, very true, very true. You know, Fair enough. That, there, there's something to be said for that. I mean, if you're looking at someone who's going to be trying to sell you a certain item, and this is not the same thing, I'm, but if you're looking for a pitch man, you're looking for someone who's popular. You're not looking for someone who's not popular, unless you're <laughs> making a, an ironic ad, of course. But, for the, you know. That Abe Vigoda was getting work at the end of his life for some reason. I mean, it's not because everyone knew him. But anyway, um, I digress. So hero worship, emotional connection to something that this person's done, and the fact that they have an element of cool to where you can say, like, yeah, yeah you know what? I, I, I have some stuff in common with this person. I feel a little closer to this artist. I feel a little closer to this celebrity because we have this in common because, you know what, I'm voting for Obama too. Or whatever candidate they might be supporting or whatever issue or cause they're supporting. And those are really the three big things that I can think of that are contributing to this. What I'd be curious to know, and I see that Pete, unfortunately, has just left the chat room, as I know we've had some technical difficulties in there, is what Pete thinks because he must have an opinion. He brought it to us. So <laughs> hopefully we can get that opinion at some point, and um, I don't know, maybe we'll be able to share it next week. Yeah. Um, by the way, this is completely unrelated. Well, not not completely unrelated, but kind of unrelated to what we were talking about. I actually tweeted out last night how sad it was that if you look at Run DMC in like 85, 86, 87, they changed the game. I mean, as, as far as hip hop went, they they flat out changed the game between, you know, uh, Run's House and, uh, you know, It's Tricky and, and uh, you know, Walk This Way, which bridged rock and rap 
which really hadn't been done all that much before. And now, last night, I hear it's tricky being used in an Applebee's commercial. I I just I immediately started to openly weep. Yeah, no, that's. Uh, I I just feel like it becomes easier for some artists to do that once their popularity has started to dwindle, because it's still an opportunity to make some money. Yeah, and but... I I know what you're thinking. I know it's sad <laughs> for you. I know it's missing. You know the the soul and you know original message of the song and all of those certain things, but when your time has started to pass, it becomes a lot easier to compromise your morals for money because the money's not flowing in the way it was before. Yeah, but I mean, think about it this way: if you're really gonna sell yourself out like that, I mean, just think they could have made commercials for Adidas where instead of my Adidas, it could be buy Adidas. Or, you know, um, for for Run's House, they they could advertise for you know a gun manufacturer and call it Guns House or something like that. You know, just something something to where it's at least going to stay somewhat true to the original record. I mean, the only thing tricky at Applebee's is making something edible. Let's just call it as what, it is. What I had not said, but I kind of thought I was <laughs> alluding to, was the fact that one of the members of the group is no longer with us. Well, yeah. making that song would be a little difficult. Uh, well, I mean, the 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 one who's no longer with us was not one of the vocalists, so they could, <laughs> I mean, they could find another DJ. God knows there's enough of them in the rap game these what? days. There is. <laughs> I oh. mean, all all respect to Jam Master J. Again, again, we talk about people who uh, who changed the game, and uh, Jam Master J was one of those. Uh, when you when you look back at, and I, I know that a lot of people don't like hip hop, and if if you don't, that's fine. But you still have to acknowledge its its societal influence and and you know its influence on music and on creativity in general. But, Wait a minute, I thought there were two types of music, country and western. <laughs> yeah, while I'm dodging beer bottles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my father's comments about, uh, about truth in advertising are a little bit shocking there, I have to, have to admit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, all right. Well, you know, that's not something we're going to read on the show, I don't think. But... <laughs> By the way... Uh... <laughs> so, so, but, but, hold on, though. I want to yes. get back to what you brought up. Okay. Because uh, we can we can finish we can actually see this topic all the way through, which will be a first now that we've reached episode eleven. Wow! Uh, to actually get all the way through uh, an, uh, a thought. Okay. <laughs> but you brought up Run DMC, and you're saying it's sad that it's tricky is being used in an Applebee's commercial. Right. Right. That that's your general point. Yep. So who is it sad for? It, well, I mean, I I guess it's. A little bit sad for them because of the artistic integrity they used to have. It's sad for me because, you know, when I think about people who are influential artists in the last 30 years, obviously Run DMC is at the top of that list because of everything they did musically and everything they did to, you know, to, uh, they talk about bringing white suburban kids into hip hop and everything. Run DMC had such a huge role in that. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they brought attention to, the East Coast, because you know a lot of people were uh, were focused on West Coast and and uh, you know all the all the hip hop that came out of the West Coast, but they they really helped put the East Coast on the map along with LL and, and so many others, Eric B and Rakim, and, and you know it's it's just you, you look at them and all the societal impact they had, and now they're reduced to you know having their music appear in an Applebee's commercial. Now, but but my point is is it's it's sad for you. Maybe for them they were like, you know what, I really needed that check. 
Well, yeah, fair enough, but still, I mean, you what, would... I, what I'm really am getting at though is we're kind of flipping our original question on its head. Not only why do we care about the opinions of celebrities so much, but why do we have such strong opinions about the work that they are putting out to the point that we are looking at that going, you know what? Run DMC sold out by putting that ad, in an, by putting that song in an Applebee's commercial. The Black Keys are not as legitimate because they're licensing so many songs for entertainment shows and for commercials you know, or things of that nature. And those, those opinions are debated endlessly on the internet. Every day. Well, I mean, hell, if, if you want to go back even further, go back to when Bob Seger had Like a Rock and all the Chevrolet commercials. People just ripped Bob Seger to shreds over it. And Bob Seger was one of the, you know, the, the musical pioneers of the 70s and 80s. And he had Like a Rock appear in Chevy commercials. And all of a sudden, he's, you know, this gutless sellout. I mean, it, you know, it's the same thing with him. Sure. So I still go back to your um, – I'm going to just ask the question again now that we've discussed a little bit. Who is that song appearing in an ad really sad for? Well, probably for me, for their fans, maybe for them, who knows? I mean, we, we don't know if they just took it because they really needed the money or if they wanted to, you know, keep their their name relevant or whatever else. Who knows? And, it, you know, maybe maybe my take would change if I knew the negotiations that went into it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it is just sad because we, ha- we have this mental image of them and, and of all the societal impact they've had. And then, you know, you see them on an Applebee's commercial and it's just like, well, you know, that just got shot to hell. So... In the same way that you can say that an artist had something that you emotionally connected to at one point in your life, and still do, I'm not, you know, when you listen to Run DMC stuff, I'm sure it still has an effect on you. Of course. And if it didn't, then this wouldn't have any effect on you. But that's kind of the point. Just the same way that we could say, hey, this celebrity message is easier for us to hear and follow, be it, you know, someone's talking about running for, you know, who they would vote for for president or some sort of political office or what product you should buy or how you should feel about same-sex marriage or whatever the issue might be. If it becomes easier for you to hear the celebrity because of the emotional connection, it somehow makes it harder for you to hear their music used in a way that you don't like. Well, at least it's not as blatant as Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand doing Christmas songs. There is that. That is an interesting thing you brought up the other day uh, that I hadn't really thought of too much, but, you know... If, you could, if we can ask the question, why do we care so much about what celebrities think, this, this sort of corresponding question here from our discussion is, why do we really feel like we have any right to feel like a celebrity is misusing the thing that they created? Fair enough. I mean, that's, that's – uh, I, I guess that other side of the coin is one that doesn't really come into play all that much, and it's, it's a fair question to ask. It's one where you know we could probably explore that even further on, on air and, you know, maybe we should sometime, to be honest. I mean, maybe, maybe there's there's some sort of level of artistic integrity that we have in our mind that, you know, we've we've set because of what we hear from them on the radio or what we see from them in print or what we've seen from them on, you know, DVD or in the theater or whatever. And, and we feel as though anything below that standard is, uh, you know, breaching on whatever we've uh, created for them. And maybe that's not fair either. Uh, and th- the way that I mean, advertising has found its way into more and more places of our society. I mean, you know, you watch the sports telecast from 20 years ago and there aren't nearly as many logos flying around. There aren't nearly as many sponsored elements. There aren't all kinds of ways that logos manage to get into our consciousness on a daily basis. Right. So yeah. 
as there's more advertising, that means there's going to be, you know, obviously more different commercials out there. That means that more songs are going to be showing up in different ways that we may or may not approve of. And I mean, the line for that has become a really weird one. Um, you know, it used to be really easy to, to say something like, well, all right, well, Bob Seger's using a song in the Chevy commercial, therefore he's a sellout. And that was an easy kind of formula and, you know, A, B, C. All right, he did this, so they did this, and now that makes, you know, he did it for the money, and, and he's a sellout now. But with the way that commercials are, does that still apply? If you, you know, take the money you get from this commercial and donate it to a charity, does that change how we're supposed to feel about it? We've all made these, no, we've all made these completely arbitrary rules uh, about the world of entertainment, and somehow, you know, we're all supposed to sort of, you know, negotiate, navigate through this field of how we're supposed to feel about an artist or how, how it's acceptable to, to think about music. It's all kind of ridiculous. And uh, I guess as, as my father would ask in the chat room too, the, the other question that we, uh, we come back to aside from the one that Pete asked is why is it that people are so vapid that they need someone else to tell them how and what to think? And that's, that's, a, that's a whole other topic that you know we could spend hours talking about. And I think we've already addressed some of it, but I think that you know a lot of it, like, like we've kind of said, you know, it's being an individual is hard. Easy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Be, being an individual is hard. You have to actually like have stances on things and you have to push yourself yeah. out there. And, you know, that's, that's just not comfortable for people. And, you know, I, I would rather at this, at this point in my life. And again, you know, I, I say this as having gone through my, uh, my bouts of stupidity and whatever else we all do in youth, but I would rather, you know, have some kind of stance on something. And run the risk of people disagreeing with me about it, but be respectful throughout the entire process. Then I would just be a bobblehead. And uh, there's there's no real joy in being a bobblehead. There's no individuality in being a bobblehead. You're just one of everybody else. Do, do you got? I mean, I, I knew you could get like a bobblehead of yourself made, but you can actually get yourself made into a bobblehead now. That, that would be sweet. I need to figure out how to do crazy. that. Crazy. No, how, how, how would they put the implant the spring into your neck? I don't know, but with the neck problems I've been having over the last yeah. few years, it might actually be more comfortable if I tried that. That's actually that's really true. It's tempting, it's, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, now I'm gonna be thinking about that all night. I'll let you know if I end up having a dream <laughs> where I'm a bobblehead because that's entirely possible. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, you know, you've you've had shoulder problems. I've I've had you know some neck issues from time to time. You know, if, you, if you've got a spring there or, you know, one of those little rubber pieces, then all of a sudden you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, that way I don't need to worry about, you know, my, my vertebrae being out of alignment or something. <laughs> that was my spring. Spray some WD-40 in there and I'm good. <laughs> so uh, since since I think we've mostly addressed the question, we were talking about music stuff. And uh, we, we may come back to that question. We'll see. But I think we've mostly answered it. We, we were talking about music stuff. And... Um, I wanted to share this story with you because I think there's a musical parallel here, even though it's not spelled out in the piece. And uh, I feel bad for laughing about this. I'll just go ahead and put it out there before I even read the story. I feel bad for laughing at it, but so be it. Dateline Tulsa, Oklahoma. Police say a Tulsa man is in the hospital for injuries he received when a Jeep Grand Cherokee crashed through his bedroom wall early Monday. That's, That's not the funny part. Officers say the man and his wife were asleep when the Jeep hit their house in the 2400 block of South 84th East Avenue at about 2.30 a.m. There there had to have been a Billy Joel CD in the, in the deck there somewhere. <laughs> um, but that's not the funny part. Police arrested the driver on suspicion of DUI. Ashley Hill told police she chugged a drink called a dirty pirate hooker before leaving work 
an arrest report states. She had to have had that on Whore Island. There's no other way about it. <laughs> I hope so. I, for some reason, as soon as she said Billy Joel, I pictured her rocking out to tell her about <laughs> <laughs> as she was driving down the road. Uh, and just bam, right into the wall. <laughs> Would you say she's an uptown girl? Uh, she was not listening to <laughs> Piano Man at the time. I'm, I'm just <laughs> rather sure she was not listening to Piano Man. Um, I don't know. Maybe for the longest time. <laughs> I'm not sure. Her driving ability has always been a matter of trust. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that sounds incredible. I really just couldn't imagine uh, being in my home and then having a car crash through the wall. <laughs> Um, <laughs> especially when the uh, the person driving had just slammed a dirty pirate hooker. I want to know what's in a dirty pirate hooker. Please tell me it says. Uh, I, no, but I'm going to guess that it's uh, <laughs> it's 60% real panther is probably where I'm going to go with that. I'm really surprised that Jerry hasn't immediately chimed in in the chat room saying it's Dirty Pirate. Obviously, the name says it. So while I'm reading this story, you can use these series of tubes to hopefully tell us what's in a Dirty Pirate hooker. Okay. Again, uh, peeling back the fourth wall in this program. Uh, Mm. Police said Hill 27 was headed east on 24th Street when she apparently lost control of the Jeep and slammed it into the home. Irma Rodriguez said the impact pushed their bed across the room and scattered debris everywhere. She said the first person she thought of was her daughter, the first thing I noticed was the sound. I thought it was a tornado because bricks were thrown through the air in my bedroom. I ran to my daughter to see if she was okay, said Irma Rodriguez. Ashley Hill's blood alcohol content measured .15 and .16 in separate tests. According to the arresting officer, she was booked on a complaint of aggravated DUI. Based on information in the booking report, Hill lives near the rec scene and works at a bar in the 7900 block of East 41st. Um, now... I have a feeling there could be several different variations of this drink, but the recipe that came up right here is one part spiced rum, one part Grand Marnier, one part peach schnapps, one splash pineapple juice, one uh, maraschino cherry. So you're saying there may there may be multiple dirty pirate hookers. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's the the one that popped up here. As I check a couple more links to see if I get something. yeah, okay, so it's basically rum, schnapps, Grand Marnier, and then, you know, if you wanted to add something else to it, there you go. But that, that apparently is the um, the drink, and, and this one says a third shot of spiced rum, a third shot of schnapps, and a third, shot, a third shot of Grand Marnier. So I can only imagine mixing that into one, uh, one shot to slam down before you leave work. <laughs> I'm guessing, God, it, that must not have been of all, all she had if her blood alcohol was 0.16. Now, does she have to slam that while reciting the acceptance speech from the local Emmys? I hope so. I think that should be a rule. Um, I don't know if she really observed it, though. I was more <laughs> taken by the fact that they said that they thought the car hitting their house was like a tornado <laughs> uh, that no one on the news had mentioned at all in their area. I mean, like... <laughs> Look, you live in an area that's far more likely to get a tornado than I do. <laughs> Wouldn't they just let you know about that? Wouldn't that just kind of be something they'd get the message out about? Yeah, you don't exactly hear the emergency alert system going off for some crazy drunk bitch who can't drive in your neighborhood. It doesn't really quite work that way. No. Although I, I wish I it did. 
that would be kind of amazing, actually, if it did work that way. But, uh, wow. And the, the fact that she said the impact pushed their bed across the room, that's all it did? You're lucky. <laughs> really? Like, how is it not – I don't know. It seems like the, this could have gone a whole lot worse for the people's home. Uh, who live in the home that was hit. And that's not to say that they haven't gone through some stuff. You know, someone just sort of deciding to carve out a nice little hole in the wall of your home is, is not real cool. But um, that, you know, case for injury or uh, it seems like pretty high probability of injury there. And so far you haven't told me too much about the people who live there getting hurt. I just had a designer come in. They spent 13 days and $5,000 putting the bed in that spot and now it's all gone. God, we just had kitchen crashers come in, and now this is all over. <laughs> just because t- we were on kitchen crashers doesn't mean you need to cra- crash into our kitchen. You're taking the name of the show wrong. <laughs> New HGTV bedroom crashers. <laughs> yeah. They go out to the to the you know to the uh, hardware store or whatever, and you know the the standard nondescript television dude is like going around trolling people to see if they if they want to have their bedroom redone or whatever else. And you know normally on that show you you have like day one after they finally convince these really skeptical people on day one they show up at like seven o'clock in the morning with horns blaring and everything. Except on this show they show up at like you know one thirty in the morning with one horn blaring as they drive their jeep through the side of your house. Is that how that works? Yeah, I just picture the guy like, uh, you know, hey, why don't we just uh, all head back to uh, your place and I can take a look at the bedroom you know, or something <laughs> like that. And he does a recon mission first or something like that. And maybe while he's pulling up or something like, man, that's uh, quite a truck you have. You got a really extensive grill guard and a roll cage. <laughs> and... <laughs> What's up yeah. that? Do, do you do a lot of off-road racing? No. <laughs> Turns to the camera, winks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can just picture this being like a Super Dave show or something like that, where he puts on a helmet and just rolls through the side of the house. Yeah, I, this would be the kind of show that would be hosted by the uh, jackass grandpa. <laughs> You've been crashed! <laughs> Why did I sign up for this? You're going to fix my wall! No, well, no. it's being fixed, and it's not being fixed. <laughs> Or whatever he wacky says in that movie. <laughs> the Kenny, I figured that wasn't quite worth paying whatever the heck a movie ticket costs these days. Kenny Rogers Jackass comes to make over that would your house. Be, that would be fantastic, actually. <laughs> if he could encourage someone to try to box his ride in order to protect their bedroom, that would be the best <laughs> show ever. Yeah, see, you could ghost ride the whip right into the side of somebody's house. <laughs> only if he put it on YouTube and only if Bub Rub is driving. <laughs> Wow. So, we, know, uh, I, if anyone caught all those pop culture references, <laughs> they're good for you. Um, speaking of trolling, uh, Dateline Michigan. A Michigan man has reportedly gone to internet-ready lengths in order to troll his ex-wife with a daily reminder of his feelings toward her. You uh, pointed this out to me earlier. According, Fantastic. According to a person claiming to be the ex-wife's daughter, the crazy, wealthy Bloomfield Hills man, identified only as Alan, allegedly purchased the house next door to his ex-wife and proceeded to move in with his daughter Tiffany... He then went a step further, and my dad's going to love this, and purchased an expensive bronze statue of a middle finger, which he placed on the back porch and aimed at his ex-wife's house. As if that weren't quite enough passive aggression, Alan ensured the statue was visible 24-7 by shining a spotlight on it after dark. That is awesome. (laughs) Now, yeah, it really, I mean, that's... 
I would say that that would be the definition of having fu money. <laughs> but um, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's your definition of having fu money. That where you put up a statue in somebody's backyard. <laughs> That's, that's I'll where, allow it. That's where you Wait go with it. So he bought a house that is uh, – he's got multiple homes. He doesn't live there full time if I'm not mistaken from what I read. And he bought the house next door to his ex-wife so he could constantly put that statue uh, so she could see it. Uh, apparently. Um, here's the thing. Really? He bought a house so he could mess with his ex-wife. How much money do you have to have in order to do that? That's a lot of. Co- I don't have. I don't have three houses. I don't have one house. Well, some uh, quality journalism in here. Uh, "Quote: Alan and Tiffany are the best neighbors." Tweeted Lenka Tui, but ooh, who does that? L O L O L. Or sorry, L O L O L O L. Sorry. Okay. Well, that was important. Make sure yeah. how many out louds we get. Um, <laughs> Jeez. I mean, and this this is even funnier though. Quote: It's hard for me to enjoy my baths now because my fave tub is in my mom's bathroom, which faces out toward Tiff and Alan's house. She wrote, adding a frowny face emoticon. Yes, that made it into copy. (laughs) She can't enjoy her baths anymore. When a friend pointed out that Alan's gesture was making him look like an idiot, Tui concurred, quote, like, LOL, someone's not over my mama, unquote. Well, you know, the part that you haven't even gotten to yet is the guy <laughs> who did this is the owner of several gentlemen's establishment in gen- gentlemen's establishments in Detroit's 8 Mile. And I, I believe it also said in one of the articles I read that he had... He's been try. Um, there have been two attempts on his life, and at one point he had a contract out on his life, and there he wrote a book about it, uh, which is currently in development with I think A and E uh, to make a series about a guy who owns multiple strip clubs. <laughs> yeah. So, in a way, you could say that he's just drubbing up publicity for his forthcoming projects. His his book is called Topless Profit: The True Story of America's Most Successful Gentlemen's Gentlemen's Club Entrepreneur. There's also this, uh, Markowitz, or Markowitz, this is Alan Markowitz, who's a local strip club owner, has a 17-year-old daughter from a previous relationship who lives with him. He was married for two years to a woman he met at a friend's birthday party at an Auburn Hills restaurant, but they recently divorced. He said his wife, a native of Slovakia, was cheating on him with someone he knew. She moved in with the guy two days after moving out of the house. Quote, he broke the man code. He's a total freaking asshole, Markowitz says. Real men don't do that to another guy, unquote. Yeah, I love his take that he that, that this guy broke the man code. <laughs> uh, as if running strip clubs isn't, you know, questionable enough. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> yeah, never mind those naked women dancing around in your club. You broke the man code. Who are they? They're, uh, they're, those are the dancers I use my club. Don't worry about them. Anyway, we're going to talk about this. My wife cheated. Wait, huh? Those women don't have names. They don't have homes. They don't mean anything. I, uh, you know, look. I don't. I don't spend a lot of time in strip clubs, so maybe there's some sort of uh, strip club rules and regulations that I'm not aware of. But I, I got to say that that seems like a very weird moral line to be treading. And uh, by the way, to my father in the chat room, wow, he's just feeling it tonight. What's what's yeah. going on with him? Wow, Let's keep feeding him the ball. <laughs> 
More more three balls for Jerry. He'll just keep launching them from deep <laughs> from way downtown. Uh, Dateline, Florida. Time to move on to uh, Florida. A Kmart employee was arrested Saturday after deputies say he strangled a co-worker and forced her under a desk. Gosh. Alachua County Sheriff's Office deputies said Christopher Paget, 23 of 131 Castle Drive, and his co-worker were horsing around while on break at the Kmart on Northwest 76 Boulevard at 5 p.m. According to Sheriff's Office spokesman Lieutenant Todd Kelly, the two were practicing chokeholds on each other when Paget actually began to strangle the victim, Kelly said. <laughs> now, that's that's bad enough. This is worse. The victim told police she told Paget to stop. So he's choked a woman, and after a few seconds he let her go. She left the break room and, quote, did not think much of it the rest of the day, unquote, the, re- the report said. When she came back to the room for a second break, Paget pushed the victim on the couch and took her keys and phone. He then put her under a desk and wouldn't let her leave, the report said. The victim told Paget to give her her phone, but he would not. The victim then cut Paget with his with his keys. He then released her and she left the room, the report said. Paget was charged with battery by strangulation and obstruction of justice. He was booked in the Alachua County Jail and had been released as of Monday. Any word if he told her that he was putting her on layaway as he choked her? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that's I, I did not expect that to rack him. <laughs> it was all I could think. As soon as I heard that, maybe he was putting her on layaway. That's all, that's all I seem to see on those commercials now for like Walmart or something like so, that. Uh, the holidays. Well, new, new layaway program. So, uh, Ed, would you call that a blue face special? <laughs> oh! See what I did there? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's um look. Uh physical contact at the workplace can be a very tricky issue. Uh, um, yeah. You know, I think that maybe Run DMC had a song called It's Tricky that we could use in an informational video about this subject. <laughs> How would you feel about that, Brian? Uh well, you have to license it from Applebee's first. Yeah, so that's true. You know, now that they have their I don't know, what is it, Chipotle butter steak or whatever the heck it is that they're advertising now is from their test kitchen, which is hilarious, by the way. I mean, all of those things where they talk about the food innovations at an Applebee's or a Friday's. Um, yeah. So I just want to make sure that I understand exactly what happened. So they were horsing around, and yes. he decided, you know what, uh, now that we're horsing around, now's a good time for me to choke you out. <laughs> and then she left and then after being choked by the guy and having to ask him to stop you came back around him later in the day that seems like a lapse in judgment on your part miss um i, I would i would think that that person would be a little suspicious at that point after trying to you know choke me yeah um you know especially when you walked into the break room and Saw him wearing an Affliction T-shirt. <laughs> you probably should have known at that point what was going to happen. It was it was rear naked choke time when you walked in there. Oh my gosh! Did you have back to back? Did you just chug two monsters? <laughs> did you get them from old ladies that were watching tip off classic games or whatever it was? Tip off marathon games. Darn it! <laughs> you're, wait a wait a minute. You're the guy who has bones on his name tag, aren't you? <laughs> oh god. <laughs> No, no, no. My name's Slade. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's just poor workplace decorum. Um, 
I mean, I yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know what else to say about that one. Well, it's all been downhill since I got off my layaway blast. I'm just kind of amazed that this guy <laughs> would think, you know, this has got to be untraceable. I'll just choke out my coworker, female coworker at that, and um, I'm sure it'll all be fine. And uh, you know, once I realize, you know what, it's not going to be fine. I'll just keep her hostage under a desk. How could she get away? Well, you, you thought it couldn't get any worse after that. It does. Uh, Dateline Fort Myers. Deputies arrested a man with a sword after he allegedly broke into a Beef O'Brady's and stole liquor. <laughs> okay. Uh, deputies were dispatched to the restaurant located at 11841 Palm Beach Boulevard Monday morning after receiving reports of a past-occurred burglary. While reviewing uh, video surveillance, store employees said a man wearing black entered the restaurant's patio with a long sword. Deputies say okay. the suspect is seen prying open the patio bar's liquor cabinet. After reviewing the video, deputies met with a store employee who reported seeing a suspicious person near the building around 6 a.m. She said she didn't think anything of it until she, not she noticed the patio bar had been burglarized. She said she watched the video surveillance and recognized the suspect as the man she'd seen in the area. Deputies located the suspect, and the employee positively identified him as the man she'd seen earlier that morning. And the man on the video, Thomas Brooks, 23, was arrested on burglary charges and was booked into the Lee County Jail. Now, did you go to Beef O'Brady's because you figured they wouldn't have any surveillance equipment? The pretty much national chain. Yeah, it's like, yeah, um, I need some, some good booze. Uh, I'm going to roll the Beef O'Brady's because I'm sure they'll have it. Look, if you really want to stock up on Mike's Hard Lemonade, I'm sure that was a great place to go. Um, <laughs> So maybe that was what he was looking for. But that just seems an odd choice. Uh, there are so many places that specialize in selling liquor that I would think that might be a better place to, to go. Uh, um, you know, obviously you were set on burglarizing this liquor because you didn't want to pay for it yourself, which, you know, that's going to make it a little harder to procure. Uh, but again, wouldn't you want to, you know, cover your face or face? <laughs> uh yeah I mean, if you're gonna be a ninja you might as well go all out i you know just go with the traditional garb if you're gonna go with the samurai sword you can dress as a ninja and that means it covers your entire body in black um by the way you are uh as as i know anyway you are a uh, a gym person you spend a lot of your time in gyms uh i don't know about a lot of my time but i am there frequently you've uh you've seen your share of a-holes in gyms mm. Dateline Boynton Beach. An argument over putting away weights after lifting led to a gym patron pulling a gun on a trainer on Tuesday, according to a Boynton Beach police arrest report. Oh, Walter Subcheck was arrested? <laughs> wow. Speaking of pop culture references, there you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, Sorry. That, that's from the Big Lebowski, everyone else. <laughs> it happened at LA Fitness at 2290 North Congress Avenue at 846 AM when police say Wilsley Dudley LaCroix, 25, of Boynton Beach pulled up to the front door of a gym in, in a 2003 Chevy Impala and motioned for a trainer to come over. That's when LaCroix, whose occupation is listed as a security guard, pulled out a gun, cocked around in the chamber, and told the trainer he was going to, quote, pistol whip him, unquote. According to the report, police say the trainer ran inside the gym as LaCroix took off. The trainer told police he argued with LaCroix the day before about not putting away his weights. LaCroix is charged with aggravated assault with a firearm. <laughs> well, you know what? I got to say that the people who go to that gym are probably happy he's not back because that is really annoying. That is really annoying. Okay, well, let's go over to the weight rack here. I'm going to need a pair of 30-pound dumbbells. 
all right, here's the section where the 30s are supposed to be, and here's a 20, here's a 45, here's a 60, and here's a th- – oh, we finally found them, the fourth spot. And look, it's not going to ruin my day, but at the same time, I'm just wondering, why can't we just – is it really that tough to put, put the weights back where you found them? Okay, so what's the what's the bigger offense, Jim Rat? Is the bigger offense not putting the weights back properly or not wiping down the machines after you're done with them? Uh, it probably would be not wiping down something because that's gross, man. Like, look, you know, like at least the weights are bad. Say you put them back in the wrong place or something like that. You could eventually you could just walk along and be like, oh, there's the 25s or whatever it is. But that doesn't change the fact that the machine that you want to go to is completely sweaty and gross. True. Fair enough. So that's what I would say as far as bigger, but both are really annoying. I mean, it, I just view uh, it. I don't feel like it's very hard to be to just keep your head down and not get in anyone's way while at the gym. Yet it it seems to happen all the time, and I don't I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. They they mark the places for you to put this stuff back, people. If if you take if you take a thirty pound you know dumbbell, you could just put it back where it says thirty. It, it's not very difficult, you know. Don't wander off and have a twenty five minute conversation while you have your towel draped over the only incline bench in the entire place. Other people would like to use it. it, it these things don't seem like rocket science, yet somehow it becomes. Uh, becomes very difficult to navigate. I, I, you know, I run into it all the time. Like I'll sit down and start using a piece of equipment and someone will come up and be like, Hey man, I was using that. I'm like, and I should have known that how from <laughs> the zero things you have nearby it. Yeah. You know, see, look, just, just <laughs> this is why I like to do this on this program occasionally, ladies and gentlemen, because Ed is uh, a, a gym denizen. And uh, if I can get him started on a gym rant, uh, it doesn't happen all that much, but I, I like to do that just to occasionally poke the bear. Oh, God. I, I talk about that subject for long periods of time. <laughs> the, the, the thing that I really the, – the one that's that's new to me is that um, I've started to uh, do some different uh, types of things with my workouts that don't require nearly as much weight uh, and I find to be more difficult um, than you know, trying to take that soft as rotted fruit you know, midsection that I have and uh, <laughs> trim that down slightly. Um so I've been doing a lot of stuff that's in like the exercise room of the gym I have when they're not using it for classes, and uh, I I don't know what it is about the specific location that I am at, but people seem to have very little sense uh, of the size of the room at this gym that I go to, uh, as it's now happened twice in the six weeks seven weeks or so that I've lived up in this part of San Diego and gone to this location. I've gone in, I've grabbed a, a mat where I've you know laid down and started to do this stuff. And someone has pulled up where the room is 40 yards long and they have managed to pull up right next to me, specifically right behind me. And, and I find it just so strange. It's like, look, there, there's so much space. There's literally no one in here, but you and me, I've been here already you just grabbed something and decided to come over right next to me. It's this, it's the same kind of concept as, look, I'm on the I'm the only person on this row of ten treadmills. Why are you choosing the treadmill next to me? Well, see, I'll use this not in a uh, a gym related sense, but it's like if you go to a store 
and you park far away from the store because a you don't want some idiot ramming into your car and b you actually like walking getting getting the exercise you can park five miles from the damn store you can come out there are you know 55 spaces between your car and the store and there's somebody who's parked right next to you it never fails usually a raised truck yes so you can't open your door (laughs) and then you end up having to do that awkward thing where it's so tight next to your driver's side door that maybe you have to get it in through the passenger side and climb <laughs> over the center console of your car and bang the crap out of your knee on the steering wheel as you try to do so. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I was, I was going to say it's especially tough for a six foot five radio guys who try to weasel into a, uh, a four door sedan with very little room to maneuver. It's, it doesn't really work well. Yeah, you're going to have to pull some maneuver where you open your sunroof. If you have, so you can pop your head out of it as you go over the center cuts. Um, this next story, I I need to send you the mug for because you'll you'll appreciate the story even more if you see the mug. So I'll I'll uh, I'll send along the mug, and uh, you can see that. Then here's the story: Dateline, Crestview, Florida. A man faces charges. Oh my god! <laughs> I knew that was coming. Wow! I, I built in that pause. I knew that was coming. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, the eyes go in completely different directions. Uh, a man His fa- eyes look like the, the actual real life uh, <laughs> the, it looks like the real life version of the eyes you would see on the cheap toys where they were glued <laughs> and they just have the piece that just like when you flop the toy around the eyes just go in circles. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes I do. Yes I do. Um but it gets even funnier, actually. A man faces charges after he allegedly urinated on indoor-outdoor carpeting and later complained about an officer smirking at him, Crestview police say. How the hell is he going to tell if anybody was smirking at him? Was he, was he noticing somebody out of one eye smirking and the other one wasn't? Or how did he tell? I'm, I, I keep thinking that the best place to stand in order to catch this guy off guard would be directly in front of him. <laughs> the, uh, the incident happened at Ace Hardware on Ferdin Boulevard, according to a report. Employees say they found 32-year-old John Wesley Cruz on the property, rolled up in 15 feet of green matted carpet and 7 feet of gray matted carpet. The carpet had to be removed because Cruz apparently had urinated on it, according to the report. Cruz apologized for being there, according to the officer, and explained he was, he was quote, messed up from being over at Don's Ice House, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, head on home, sir. Uh, when an officer read Cruz's Miranda rights, he claimed repeatedly he didn't understand them and asked for an attorney. Uh, after he was taken to jail, Cruz said he wanted to talk, according to the report. He said he understood his rights and that the charges against him, quote, weren't too bad, unquote. He also made several references to another officer smirking at him. He was charged with burglary and criminal mischief. His court date is December 10th. I feel disrespected <laughs> after peeing on some carpet in a hardware store because an officer smirked at me. Um... <laughs> Look, if we're going to make judgments that people are, you know, no longer true artists because they licensed a song to uh, a national chain restaurant, then I think we can go ahead and say that this officer has the right to smirk at the guy who decided to pee on some carpet in a hardware store. Especially a guy who looks like that. Yes, I think that's a fair corollary. Uh, So if you thought one bodily function was bad enough, here's this. Uh, so, can, can I ask you a question sure. about that story? I wanted to before. So you said that he was wrapped in carpet. Yes. So did he pee on it and then wrap himself in it, or did he wrap himself in it then pee? Uh, you'd think they'd put that detail in the story, but they've casually uh, omitted it. 
Man. The hell's wrong with you people? Uh, we we all know that none of us really likes the DMV, and we'll we'll take any step that we can go to to avoid going to the DMV. But there's this: uh, an off-duty police officer intervened when a man started playing with himself in the lobby of a suburban West Palm Beach DMV, according to deputies. Man, <sighs> why why in the world would you start trying to crank one off in the middle of a DMV? Look, you know. I understand that some people like to masturbate in times of boredom, um, <laughs> but I don't think that's exactly what people mean when they say it's a good cure for boredom. <laughs> wow. That might not be the venue. I, I think that you know, knowing your surroundings is a little more important. Um, I, I do have to say, I mean, since we, you know, we're not going to get into that article in full, but the, you know. The, did this guy give a reason as to why he did it? Was there any sort of explanation as to, as, of about that? Um, it says Edward Michael Alvin, age 34, exposed himself at about 11 a.m. Friday to several people in the lobby of that DMV. Uh, continuing an off-duty Delray Beach police officer who was also at the office told Alvin, and this is something you should never have to tell somebody in a DMV, told Alvin to stop masturbating. Alvin ignored <laughs> the order, deputy said. I feel like that's something you just shouldn't have to tell people too much in general. See, can you imagine, though, that dude comes home from the DMV, and he walks in, and his wife's sitting there. It's like, oh, hey, honey, glad you're home. How's, how was your day? Well, you're never going to believe what I had to tell this dude at the DMV. <laughs> and he tells the story, and she's like, no, there's no way. That didn't happen. No, it happened. I just, I just keep thinking, though, at what point in your life do you have to tell – okay, uh, the old, and I've been trying to think of something <laughs> – here, but when do you have to tell anyone stop masturbating? <laughs> I can't think of too many. I mean, if something really goes a little sideways with your kids, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, anybody you over stop seven. Doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, um, but that's um, the DMV is a tough enough place to be. <laughs> um, but adding in a guy cranking one out is not going to make it any more pleasant. And I think, in fact, it's going to make it worse. If there was ever, you know, if there's one thing I've learned about the DMV, it's go ahead and, and take the, the time to make an appointment. Get in and out of there as fast yes. as possible. Do not take the chance that you're just going to show up one day and figure, you know what, I'll just, this will all be fine. I'll just show up. I'll wait in line. No, that's a bad idea. You're asking to watch a guy crank it out. That's that's what you're asking for. You want to get in and out as quickly as possible. The question and I that's have the reason why. The question yes. I have is: Did the guy actually wait until they called his number? Wow, that's uh. Did he do it in the photography area? <laughs> Uh, Did he try to fill out a form for this? Sir, you know we can't put that picture on your license. Was he there to try and get a plate for his Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? <laughs> was was he there to get the special Florida jacking it in San Diego personalized plate? I hope so. <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, that's uh, it's very DeAndre Hopkins of him. Just uh, throwing that out there. <laughs> Since uh, since we're talking, well, go ahead. Something about the, I wanted to mention something about the DMV. I was almost yes. about to stop the start of this, but you know, um, 
when when I was growing up uh, in Northern California, uh, not that I, I was not a, a kid that was prone to getting into much trouble at all, but it just seems like by default, I mean, you know, especially in Marin County, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Right. And every once in a while, a cop would stop you doing something or other. And I mean, you know, you're not wearing a bike helmet as there's a helmet law in California or things of that nature that, you know, a cop might say something to me about. And I learned to give my address as uh, and this wasn't just the police, but just to anywhere I needed to give a fake address where I didn't want to actually give my own. <laughs> uh, I learned to instinctively say 75 Tamil Vista Boulevard, Kentfield, California. Uh, actually, it was uh, Corte Madera, California, which was the address of the local DMV. <laughs> Look, okay. I'm going to need to go ahead and get your address so I can get your, you know, talk to your parents. Okay, it's 75 Tamil Vista Boulevard, Corte Madera, California. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that no one ever put this together in real time, I found so odd. Especially police. <laughs> well, they don't go to the DMV. They just go to the jail and all that. Okay, well, I guess. I don't know. I figured someone would have picked up on this. You were, uh, well, actually, while while we were talking about uh, genitalia, we might as well throw this in there, too, because I think you pointed this out to me. Uh, a man accused of fluffing his genitals and engaging in a variety of genital-related activities in Jensen Beach, I, another thing I never thought I'd read, uh, was jailed on a felony charge, according to recently released records. A woman told Martin County Sheriff's deputies November 5th she saw a man identified as William Gibson, 50, in front of a store on Jensen Beach Boulevard with his jeans around his knees. Gibson reached in his underwear and fondled his genitals. Quote, he then removed his hand from his underwear and smelled his fingers, unquote, record state. Go. <laughs> that's so creepy. Oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> Would you do me? i do that's me. That's <laughs> so scary. Um, you know, jeans down around his knees. Maybe he's just sagging like it's the nineties. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess not. Once you reach your hand inside the underwear, uh, it doesn't matter how, how low you're wearing the pants. You, you pretty much have gone into the, you probably need to be taken off the streets category. <laughs> was that, uh, was that the next, uh, soldier boy tell him record? <laughs> Jiggling no, my genitals. Crazy. <laughs> I was going to say that the Crank Fat album was being played by the guy at the DMV. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That works, too. Hadn't really yeah. thought of that. But... <laughs> God. So the, the great part about this story that you're talking about right now, though, is this guy was exposing his genitals. It talked about him fluffing his genitals. And then at the end of it, when asked why he was doing it, the man said... He was airing out his penis. Of all things. Airing it out. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know about you, but there are times where, you know, I just kind of feel starting starting to suffocate and just need to get a little uh, fresh air down there. That seems like a home activity for me. That seems like a home <laughs> game only. I don't think that's a road game ever. You don't want to air it out on the road too much. You're going to play conservative. <laughs> Play tight defense, run the football. You don't want to air it out. <laughs> yeah, Bud Kilmer wouldn't do that. Do control that clock. <laughs> we uh, we have a sports related idiot story, but I'd rather save that for the sports program if you're okay with that. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So uh, <laughs> with uh, with that, that will bring us to the close of Did That Make Air for uh, wow. episode eleven. 
we uh, we don't date these, but this has been episode eleven. So yeah, a lot in this program to uh, to digest. This one also amazingly gets the philosophy tag. I'm almost ashamed to admit that, but we'll give it the philosophy tag. Any objections to that? No, is it? Well, I mean, can we just put a tag in that says philosophy ish? <laughs> Philosophizing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, you know, I just, I mean, we've all, you know, I'm sure that you have a DMV horror story just like I have a DMV horror story, right? Uh, yes, I have far too many. Yeah. Okay. And I've been in the, all, on, on the way to a place that, I, to an office that I would have, I would have to drive past uh, a DMV and I'd see the line wrapped around the building and it's such a terrible place to go as a consumer. But what I've always thought to myself is, how do you get into it on the other side of the counter? I want to know the person that's like, yeah, you know what? I think a job at the DMV would be the right job for me. <laughs> See, I can just... I understand you don't have to do anything. Well, I um, I actually, I'm ashamed to admit this, but when I was in college, I took a class called Choosing a Job. Uh, primarily because it was... Are you ashamed to admit it? Well, I mean, it was part of... They have these, like, elective curriculum things that you can take, and there's, like, you know, all these yeah. these different classes. And, you know, there's one, amazingly, still in college about home economics, which is hilarious to me. But, you know, one of them was choosing a job. And it was one of those things where you go through all these personality tests and all that to determine what career you'd be best suited for. Mine came out to be exactly what I wound up in for a while uh, in communications, which oh. I'm not back in it now, but... You know, I can just imagine now you're sitting there talking to your person and choosing a job. And they're like, uh, Brian, Ed, we're going to send you out on an internship this semester. And uh, we really think that you'll like it. It'll be something that'll be something that'll broaden your career horizons. We're going to send you to work at the DMV for three months. Mm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that would be a good reason to transfer to schools. <laughs> Yeah, uh, ma'am, I'm going to have to go ahead and question your credentials if that's where you think yes. I need to be. Uh, the, the thing I was going to say, though, is why are you ashamed of that? Is it a class that counted towards your graduation? It did, actually. I got okay. two credits out of it. Uh huh. I took a class called Challenges of Leisure, as I've mentioned on our various podcasts over the years a few times, which really was more a modern-day philosophy kind of course um, that included required reading of a book by Dr. Phil. Okay. That counted and <laughs> that fulfilled one of my upper division elective requirements. I uh, I took a upper 200 level course called peer counseling. See, but the thing is, is finding a job is a useful thing to look into. Most people don't seem to give it very much thought. They usually end up in a place that they haven't really considered too much because it's like, uh, well, I'm not sure what I want to do and uh, – yeah. You know what I'm saying? So actually taking the time to look at what are my strengths? What do I really want to be doing? What do I have a passion for? That seems like a very useful thing. Peer counseling also seems like a very useful thing. People have a lot of problems. It's good to learn how to effectively listen. It's good to learn how to ask the right follow-up questions to people that are going through problems. Okay. Right, where, where am I going to be challenged by leisure? Well, okay. In that case, let's let's just uh, let's just bring it back home. I took not only intermediate bowling but advanced bowling in college. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you got to learn how to hold the long neck while you have the wrist thingy on and have the heater in your mouth while you're going to have the right spin and the finish where you kick your, your right leg up behind you. I was, I was going to say, what's, what's in the, uh, the 300 level bowling class? Is that the one where you, uh, you show up tanked on Everclear and learn how to start a, start a lynch mob? Is that how that works? Did it require learning how to play Dance Dance Revolution, or was that before your – no, that was after your class came. All right. Sorry. That's, maybe maybe that was when you had to be good at, what, Terminator 2 pinball? <laughs> no, skee-ball was still the thing. Skee-ball? Yeah. It was, an old, right. it was an old bowling alley. It was in Murfreesboro. I mean – Okay. That's mm. – that's true. That was that was a very interesting thing with the San Diego State Union, Student Union uh, bowling alley, which was fantastic, by the way. If you belong to the student gym, which was you know all of like ten bucks or something for the most fantastic gym that I've ever <laughs> been a member of, it had a rock climbing wall and four basketball courts and you know a huge you know two weight rooms and a cardio room and all these other things going on. It was just like yeah, it's barely anything. Uh, and part of that was you were allowed to bowl up to three games a day free. So uh, during the summer, I would get a lot of use out of that since, you know, I was busy not working for that one summer that I'm thinking of. But uh, they got a Dance Dance Revolution game, um, and it was really weird when I walked in and saw it for the first time because there was a guy on it who was really, really good at it uh, and in the process managed to look about as spastic as possible and like he had absolutely no clue how to actually dance. Well, see, Middle had a... uh a similar thing there in their student rec center. And they didn't charge you to use it amazingly. But my, my memory of that facility actually is twofold. One was playing pickup basketball with Tyrone Calico and seeing him just mercilessly dunk on people. I was not one of them, thankfully, but mm-hmm. I was on his team a few times and, and uh, he just completely obliterated people. The other one was playing racquetball with my then boss when I was in college. And uh, I perfectly angled a shot off the wall that hit him in the nuts and uh, momentarily crippled him were you fired i was not okay then apparently i need to start playing racquetball with bosses <laughs> you too can blast your boss in the nuts with a racquetball i mean come on that's like everyone's dream for the most part right <laughs> yeah see now that's going to be one of our future big questions is what stupid classes did you take in college i can just see that coming up now well, I've already kind of, you know, the the the, uh, the the big finish is already gone there for me. I mean, I, how are you going to beat challenges of leisure? Yeah. By that point, I had been I had started to pay for my own education, um, thanks to a, a an education credit with the employer that I had at the time. Um, so my father had, you know, was happy to have kind of wiped his hands clean of it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, he's working. He's able to pay for his own school. I don't have to send him money. This is great. So knowing that, I felt a lot better about being able to call him up and say, hey, Dad, how's it going? No, yeah, I saw – yeah, I had registration today. Oh, you know, um, I've got the intro to communications and uh, journalism writing and – uh, I've got uh, another journalism class as well, and then I have to—I had to take an elective, so I'm taking challenges of leisure. No, no, no. I said challenges of leisure. No, the, the reception's fine on the phone, Dad. <laughs> well, see, no, it's, a, it's an actual class. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like the uh, the three class series, the the trilogy of evil we called it in college, where you had um, there was. 
I forget what the what the actual curriculum was, but it was it was one eleven, one thirteen, and one fifteen. One uh, one eleven was logic, one thirteen was ethics, and one fifteen was religious studies. And everybody was required to take religious studies. And I still remember my then roommate showed up for our religious studies final eight o'clock in the morning, just still completely blank house drunk from the night before. I mean, just stumbling into the room and somehow got a B on the, on that exam. I, I still, I bow to him. To God. What's that? You felt closer to God when uh, he was that drunk. Uh, I did considering I'm, I'm somebody who, uh, who doesn't drink. I was amazed at his uh, dedication to, to go out and get that blindly trashed and then show up for a final the next day. It's, it's... I was, no, I was saying he, he felt closer to God. That's why he did better on the exam. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I, was that, was that at, at middle? Uh, no, that was, take that was at Elon anyone? actually. Okay, I was going to say a public school requiring you to take a religious class. That's um, interesting no. in our religious <laughs> society these days. At, uh, at middle, they require you to take uh, ultimate frisbee and hacky sack. Oh, cool! <laughs> Going over to Mersh at Jerrytown has got to get our ride to the show. So. <laughs> Yeah, your final involves going to see uh, Frog and Toad are friends and writing a review about it. Right. Yeah, you're wearing the shirt of the band you're going to go see and get an F. You're not supposed to be that guy. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed the PCU reference. I don't know. I don't think Jeremy Piven gets royalties from the reference. He might actually have to have it played on a cable network. Which How that movie is not just kicking around on more late night. You know, movie channels, I have no idea. How do I have a hundred movie channels, yet they never play the movies I like? See, what happens with me is every time there's a good movie that comes on, it's right when I'm needing to get sleep. Like, last night I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, This Is Spinal Tap rolls on, and I'm like, damn it, <laughs> I'm trying to go to sleep, and now you show this. Mm-hmm. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's if, if you're looking for something that you need about 15 minutes of, you know, 15 minutes more to just sort of wind down and you know, really get ready to go to sleep or something, that's when you always find the, you know, hey, casino's starting. Darn it. <laughs> Is it always the three-hour movie? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and pack it in and take it to the house. Oh, damn it, National Lampoon's vacation. <sighs> you know what I'm talking about? It always, I don't know. I always seem to see the really long, like, epics that I like that seem to be starting right before I want to go to sleep. Is that uh, Dances with Wolves? Is that one of those? No, that would not be one of the ones I was referring to, Brian. But thank you. Um, I really enjoyed what was it? Uh, my God, why do I always forget the actress's last name? It's Mary um, McConnell. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Mary the McConnell. Actress, yeah, I, I, I love I love her character. I really I really enjoy like the blank look on her face when Kevin Costner first shows up and is speaking the white man's tongue. <laughs> By the way, uh, huh? speaking huh? of... Uh, <laughs> what are you saying? Oh, I don't know. White lady playing an Indian? <laughs> speaking of bad classes, uh, my, my father reminds me that up at Virginia Tech, they have uh, university studies. They also have leisure management at, uh, at Virginia Tech as a major, and they have horticulture as a major at Virginia Tech. Okay. Well, since you know that is more your region of the country, would you like to translate what leisure management means for a Virginia Tech class? Um, basically, it means if you want to go into hotel management or travel or that kind of thing, that's basically uh, what that is. You know, I'm really disappointed. I was more trying to set you up for a joke where leisure management was the proper way to pack your can of skull, you know, or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, no, that's, that's in horticulture, actually. They, oh, they teach you okay. not only how to pack it, but how to pick it. Advanced horticulture. <laughs> how, do you, how do you think I learned to pack my own? 
Well, I'm glad <laughs> Mr. Lee Phillips is here for our show, as he always is. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, He was late. He was out you know, chasing some kids down the street. They were kicking the soccer ball again. Yes. No, Need your works. management how to properly distill moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> See, though, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, maybe uh, if they could make like the self-promotion class, that would be how to get an A&E series or something. <laughs> so you take the leisure management class and then you follow it up with that. And then that's how you got moonshiners. You see, along with that major up there, you can uh, you can choose from some of the the university cru- uh, curriculum stuff. Uh, I, I took uh, history two hundred eight, history of Merca. <laughs> not not American history, history of Merca, taught by people who really understand how this country operated and the people who founded the thing. Not this newfangled education stuff they're trying to teach. It's real history of Merca. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, that's, uh, I mean, Buddy Lee Phillips, uh, you know, did you enjoy the class being taught by Hulk Hogan? Uh, I, I did, actually. I was I was pretty uh, pretty impressed that he actually had his theme music for every time he came in the classroom, uh, you know, got everybody up out of their seats and uh, all that stuff. Of course, uh, the one thing that kind of upset me was I came in one day dressed like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and had the two-by-four and everything, they pulled me out of there for bringing a weapon to class. What the hell kind of country yeah. is this? Well, you know, that's just someone that's not really paying attention. Bastards. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, college classes, they you can find pretty much anything you want to – that you're interested in. And, uh, yeah, that is something we should talk about. I can tell the story about the class I took called Mexican-American Border Folklore. It was the only upper division elective that would fit into the only time slot I had left in my morning uh, class schedule for a semester. Uh, and um, – I added the class, I believe, a day after the semester started, and then was told about halfway through the semester that the teacher didn't have any record of me being in the class, even though I had turned in every assignment and he'd graded it. (laughs) Um, So he's like, yeah, I don't have any record of your your work. Um, Have you been turning in all the assignments? Yeah. Oh, okay, because I don't have you down for having turned anything in up until this paper. Uh, So I... I went back. I found all my work that was graded except for one paper. And I said, well, what do you want me to do about this? I mean, I, you know, I, I turned it in on time. You gave me an A, which he had. And he's like, well, do you still have the document? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, why don't you turn it in to me again? I'll grade it again. All of a sudden, my A became a B plus. Okay. Same paper. Did not change a word of my paper. He said, can you give me the paper again and I will regrade it? I'm sure it will come out the same. Nope. Grade went down from an A to a B plus. So uh, did the exchange rate lower between your times of turning it in or how did that work? I don't know. I thought it was a very interesting feeling to be, you know, in Southern California. There's a very large Hispanic population, as I'm sure everyone is aware. Uh, I was one of about four white people in the class of 100 or so. So that was an interesting feeling, um, you know, uh, to have the shoe on the other foot, so to speak. But uh, also, um, you know, experienced the teacher looking at me with uh, skepticism when I was saying, no, I'm in your class. Very much so. Yeah, we could uh, we could spend hours talking about this stuff and probably we'll have to on some program. So remind me about that. Yes. College classes. They're the best. And uh, before we uh, end up talking another two hours about my academic travails, Let's uh, let's close the lid on this episode of Did That Make Error. 
episode number 11. We'll be back here next week, same time, same channel. You always know where to find us at Did That Make Air on Twitter, DTMAPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, we'll see you back here next week on another fun, exciting episode of Bedroom Crashers. Don't miss it. <laughs>